Greetings, Chuck Price from Reapers in the Rain International. It's good to be with you today. The topic today is on uh, Pentecost, and uh, I'm so glad that Pentecost is not a denomination. Uh, we call them fellowships or whatever. I, the Pentecost is in the triune, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We have Holy Spirit. I don't use the word Pentecost a lot as I travel as a missionary evangelist, because in some countries it denotes things that um, I don't really believe in or appreciate. I call ourselves Holy Spirit people. We're people of the Spirit, which is so very true. Holy Spirit came in the day you got saved. Just want to make that very clear. We believe, if you believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, if you believe in the triune, I believe it's a package deal, you may not. I just believe that the day you invited Christ in, the Holy Spirit came in. It's, it's He that uh, allows you to grow. He searches the deep things of God. He's there. He helps you. He convicts you. He speaks to you. He searches. And I say thank God for those opportunities. If you have your Bibles in whatever form you may have, I'd like you to come with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. In a little story I heard that uh, preacher was preaching on Holy Spirit and he had a rather cathedral-like church and he was had access up into the ceiling. He had a little boy go up there and he had a dove and when he, he, he would preach the message on Holy Spirit coming and the Holy Spirit came and the little boy was supposed to release this dove. And it came to that point in the message where he was preaching, he's in the, and the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit came, and nothing happened. Nothing happened. So again, as preachers would do, he said it again, only a little louder. Again, dove wasn't released, nothing happened. Third time, third time he screams it, and the Holy Spirit came. And there was nothing, but there was this little voice, a little boy up in the ceiling in the rafters. He said, Pastor, we got a problem. He said, uh, the cat ate the dove. Do you want me to throw the cat down? <laughs> and I, I laugh about that, but sometimes I think that, you know, we've lost the message of Holy Spirit, and uh, we're just going to throw anything we can down. Well, no, we need Holy Spirit, not anything. And I just want to speak to you about Holy Spirit today. In Acts, you know, if if we begin our our our, our thoughts on... On, on Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, you need to understand that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, Holy Spirit's involved in creation. And so, unfortunately, sometimes in charismatic or Pentecostal circles, you know, if you're walking into that, then you hear about, you know, the book of Acts. That's great. That's fantastic. But Holy Spirit has been around a long time because he's very much God. So if you open your Bible in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, let us make man, you know, there, there's the, the Holy Spirit's involved in the second verse of the first chapter. So please... Uh, understand that he has been around a long time before Acts chapter 2 by 4. Understand that. Please get that in your heart. What I want to do today is just take the letter P. I'm just going to take the letter P from the chapter of Acts 2 and just share. Wherever there's a P there, I'm going to take it and bring it to your attention. So I want you to come with me for a few moments and just develop these thoughts with me as we use the letter P from Acts chapter 2. So uh, verse 1, obviously, uh, we have Pentecost. That would be our first P. That's what we're talking about today. Let me declare it again. Pentecost is not a denomination. He's too big. He's God. It's not simply an experience. It's more than a, a language. Uh, he's life. He's more than initial. He's fullness. He's, he's Holy Spirit. He's God. He's God. Understand that. Where some denominations have fallen apart is all they talk about is initial. Initial. We used to have this phrase, did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it? In other words, did you speak in tongues? Well, 
That's nice. You know, I, I, I believe in tongues. I speak in tongues. It's a part of who I am and my prayer life and my personal life. And, and, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. Uh, when I, uh, you know, baptized as a little boy, I think I was five or six years old when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then uh, walking away from God in my teenage years and rededicating my life one night. And then what happened? That flow just began and has stayed in my life all these years of speaking in tongues. I'm thankful for that. I rejoice in that. But we need more than initial. We need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Initial is nice. You know, when I first saw who would become my wife, you know, I looked up and we were in a prayer meeting praying for China and she walked in. And then I looked up and I, boy, she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. Two days later, we went out, you know, we got to meet each other. And then we, we dated a bit and, and we worked together that summer. Then we got married in September. I knew her for four months and I married her. Well, that was 43 years ago. You know, I got to tell you, it's not the initial you know, when I looked up that day and saw her, I went, wow, she's beautiful. But it, that was great. But you can't last 43 years in a relationship on initial. Uh, it's got to be the fullness of relationship. We've been through some ups and downs, some good and the bad, and God's been so faithful, raised a family, and now nine grandchildren. It's the fullness of the relationship. So let's not just dwell on, and I'm glad you're speaking in tongues. I'm glad you're, you're hungry for this, the, 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 you know, the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. That's nice. That's great. I, I encourage that. But it, that's the beginning. It's initial, and we want the fullness, the, the growing in God. You know, uh, to be quite honest, you may not like this, but I'm okay with that. You know, some of the meanest people in our church are speaking tongues. Right? They, but they'll, they'll trash talk you later that afternoon. So there's got to be something more that we move simply from the initial to the fullness of what God has, maturing, growing in things of God. Simply as we've grown in our own language and we've learned to speak as we've got older, the same thing was we need to walk before God that way. So it's a life. It's not just a language. It's a life. It's who we are. And I say, thank God. So let's just not dwell on the initial. Let's move into the fullness, the fullness. Now, in, in uh, Acts 2, verses 1 and 2, it makes it very clear that something happened. When the day of Pentecost fully came, they were in one place. They were in one place, and I thank God for that. So I don't want to just talk to you about the suddenly and the sound and the saw and they speak. That's for another time. You know, we could develop those four S's, but today it's the letter P. But they were in one place. Now, here's the thing. You can be in one place geographically, but not spiritually. You can be in one place, you know, where, where we're all in one building, we're all in one sanctuary, but there's lots of different opinions and there's lots of reasons why people are there. Understand that. There needs to be a mindset. They were in the upper room for 240 hours. If I have my math correctly, there's 24 hours in a day. They were there for 10 days, 240 hours. It wasn't there because Holy Spirit didn't want to come, and they had to kind of twist his arm and get his you know, arm behind his back. No, no, no. I think it took them that long to get together in one place, in one accord. In one place, in one accord. I think that's important. That's what we need. We need that mindset that we're together, together, together. And I say, thank God. Thank God for that. So let's, when we get together, let's dwell on the one thing. Let's spend time on the one thing that's important, and that's having Holy Spirit move. You can't have church without Holy Spirit. You can go through the, the religious gymnastics, and you can be up and down and raise your hands, and we can sing a, a hymn or two or a chorus or two, uh, whatever your preference is, and, and that's not church. 
Holy Spirit has to be present. Holy Spirit has to move. Holy Spirit has to develop in worship. Holy Spirit has to develop the word that it comes alive in our heart. Holy Spirit has to be involved in our prayer times, or we're just going through the religious gymnastics, and I'm not interested in that. Your life is too important. We're too busy, but I'm saying, Father, come, show yourself strong, and I say, thank God. So let's make sure when we're in, the, we're in Pentecost, we're in one place, that's great, but let's make sure we have the same mindset. Verses 9 and 10 use a number of different places that Holy Spirit was moving in Jerusalem, but people had come from all over. You know, you got the Perinthians, you've got, uh, you got Pontus, you've got Phygia, you've got Pamphylia, you've got parts of Libya, uh, using all the P words there. You need to understand people had come from far and wide to be there at that moment. And God knew that. God knew that. He knew that. So what a great opportunity to show himself strong. What a great opportunity for God to show himself strong today as the world's all in the same mess and needs the same answer. His name is Jesus Christ. So Holy Spirit moves. The men and women hit the streets, then the upper room. And I want you to understand this. There were men and women in the upper room. Men and women in the upper room, not just, not just men. This was not the men's club. Some of us, literally, and again, you may not like this. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. Right? We need to move our theology into an end-time thinking. We need to move our theology into an end-time thing. God is moving. So I appreciate what happened in the past, but God is moving us in a place. He's moving us by his spirit to take us somewhere because Jesus Christ has his hand on the doorknob of eternity, and he's looking at his father saying, I'd like to go get my church. And Holy Spirit's about to do something significant, and we need to move along with him. Ladies, you are in the upper room because God wants to use you in these last days. Get that into your heart. Get that into your heart. We don't have to fight over roles or titles. This generation doesn't care about that. They want real. They want relationship. It's not about your title. Please don't, you know, pull out your business card and your resume. That may be good, but it's not good enough with this generation. They want real. They want to know that you know Jesus Christ, that you know the Word, that you know the movement of the Holy Spirit. When I travel overseas, overseas, here's what people are asking me. Chuck, we appreciate your seminars. We appreciate your study. We appreciate the years you put into ministry. But what, God, what is God saying to you today? What's Holy Spirit saying to you today? Not what have you just studied on, but what is Holy Spirit saying? Now, the two can be as one. I get that. But they, they're, they're, they want to know today what Holy Spirit is saying, what, what he's saying. So let's position ourselves for that in that one place. So the different parts of the world are represented. And then in verse 12 and 13, when they hit the streets and they heard them speaking in their own language, in their own tongue, they, the Bible says they were perplexed. They were amazed. They were perplexed. Some, some were crying out, what does this mean? What does this mean? What, we don't understand this. What's going on? Others made fun saying you're drunk, like you're just drunk. And, and, and you know, not a whole lot has changed because people still make fun of Holy Spirit. You ought not to do that. You ought not to make fun of Holy Spirit because you don't understand Holy Spirit or don't agree or, or, may, or may not want. Don't, don't make fun of the Godhead. Don't, don't do that. You're speaking cursing on your life where you need blessing. So don't make fun of something you don't understand. Don't go down that road. And so they were perplexed. What does this mean? What does this mean? What, what's going on? We don't understand. We don't understand. I want you to hang on to that question for just a few moments. And then Peter you remember Peter, verse 14? Peter stands up. Peter stands up with the 11. That's significant. That was significant. Because if you remember the last number of days or the last number of months, you know, Peter was places he shouldn't have been. You know, Peter was doing things he shouldn't have uh, been doing. You know, they were running, they were hiding, they weren't sure what to do. They were behind locked doors. But on this day of Pentecost, they stand up. They stand up together together. 
Peter's, Peter's the spokesman, of course. Mr. Spontaneity, he's going for it. And he declares a word like never before. Something happened to Peter in the upper room. Believe me, something happened to him in the upper room. That I mean, he walked with Jesus for, what, three years and a bit, and, and he had the greatest teacher on the planet, and still he couldn't say to a little 12-year-old girl, yeah, I know him, I know Jesus, you know, yeah, I, Galilean, uh, you know, and, and he lies, and the rooster crows, and, and he's been with Jesus all this time. He spends 240 hours in the upper room with Holy Spirit, and he's totally changed. You know, Peter's message before his pre-Pentecost message about Judas and the field of blood and the guts all over the ground, that's a terrible message for revival. That's the worst. But something happened to Peter in that upper room. Something changed his life. I mean, totally changed his life. He stands up there. He's a house on fire. And the 11 stand with him. I keep driving that home because I want you to see the solidarity. They weren't running and hiding now. Someone... Someone had touched their lives. Someone had come in and filled them with a courage, with a courage, not an arrogance, but a courage that they were standing up and together, together. We need some of that togetherness today. We, we need the churches to come together. We need fellowships, denominations, whatever you want, label you want to put. We need to come together. We need to come together. We are so divided in so many things that have no eternal value. No eternal value. This is one that does. The working and the touch of the Holy Spirit in our own hearts, in our own lives. What does this mean? Peter says, okay, they're not drunk as you think they're drunk. They're not drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. This is what the prophet has to say. This is what the prophet has to say. There's no denying that something supernatural happened to them in the upper room. You know, he talks historically. He talks doctrinally. He lays it out there. I mean, he puts it out there. Wow. Peter's on fire. Why? Because somebody got a hold of his mouth, his, his vocal cords, his heart, his mind, and he develops into a preacher. I mean, a Holy Ghost preacher. And I say, thank God. I've often said the Holy Spirit's the great equalizer. He is the great equalizer. Uh, you, can, you, can be as, as, you can have more degrees than the thermometer. And hear me when I say get all the education you can get. I think that's vital. That's important in your lifetime. Get it. But, you know, education's great. It can make you smart. It doesn't make you spiritual. It can make you smart. It can make you smart. You need, still need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to discern your smart. That this is what God is saying, because your mind can only go so far. You need the discernment of Holy Spirit. You need the gifts and the fruits of Holy Spirit. Or you can be as simple, you know, very simple. You had to drop out of school to help mom and dad on the farm or go to work or whatever. Uh, you can be very simple by nature, and God can use you. When you look at the men that Jesus Christ chose, I mean, there were moments where I'm sure he shook his head and went, yeah, 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 what have I done here? But he chose these men, simple men, you know, different backgrounds from tax collector, you know, to fishermen. I get that, I understand that. Remember the one night they, they were having dinner and there were so many chairs and so many of them and they all wanted to sit at the right-hand side, you know, but there's only one chair and they would, you know, fight over it. I mean, I, I'm sure there was, uh, I'm not sure you or I would pick these men to be the CEOs of our company, but Jesus Christ did because it wasn't his reliance on them, it was the work of the whole Spirit in them that's going to revolutionize and change their lives. And I say, thank God, thank God. Verses 17 and 18, you've got the people. So let's bundle the next three. We've got the people, prophecy, and poor. People, prophecy, and poor. I like that. <laughs> That'll preach. You've got the people, and prophecy, and poor under the title of the last days. 
under the title of the last days. God said in the last days he would pour out his spirit upon all people. Our sons and our daughters would prophesy, would prophesy. I need to develop that for you today. I think it's important we get that, get it into our hearts. In the last days, what are the last days? I'm not a big dispensationalist, but I believe the last days are, are from the time Jesus Christ ascended till the time he comes back, till the time he comes back. There's this period of time here where God is working. He's up to something good. So that's the period I'm talking about. We're, we're in the last days, but I believe we're in the last of the last days. When I drove here to the studio, I came into a city, and in that city, it says, welcome. Now I know I'm in that city. There were signs all along the highway that said so many kilometers to the city. I wasn't there yet. I had time to go. I knew I had another hour to go. I knew I had another 20 minutes to go. But eventually, I came into the city, and I saw the sign, welcome to. I believe that you and I are no longer looking for the signs for miles and kilometers. I believe that we are past that, and God has said, welcome, you're in the last day. You're in the city, and I'm going to come back very soon. I'm going to come back very, very soon. Understand that. Get get that in your heart today. I travel places uh, way up north in Canada where, you know, you can take a, a ferry boat, and there's six stops before you get to the last village. You know, when you get to the last village, you're in the last day, the last place. There's nowhere else to go. It's done. It's over. It's finished. You know, and so we're there today in the last days. Please get that into your heart. God said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, all people. You want to know why all people? Because your unsaved friends, your unsaved family need Holy Spirit, and your saved family need Holy Spirit. Your unsaved family needs Holy Spirit to receive Christ. Your saved family needs Holy Spirit to live for Christ. We can't do this on our own. You don't have what it takes without Holy Spirit to be what God wants you to be in these last days. So saved and unsaved, all people need the Holy Spirit. And then our sons and our daughters will prophesy. One of the shortest verses in the Bible, and there's a reason for that, don't despise prophecy. Don't despise prophecy. Now today, there there are a lot of prophets on network. There's a lot of prophets traveling. There's a lot of prophets on YouTube. There's a lot lot of prophets out there. Listen, the only thing I ask is that you have the gift of discernment to know what is of God and what is not of God. Discernment is not the gift to understand who a human being is. That's a psychology course, a sociology course. Discernment is to know what is of God and what is not of God. They can sound well, speak well. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, I don't receive it. I don't receive it. If, it. if it's against the word of God, I don't. But the Bible says in the last days, your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Now, you know, understand that. Your grandbabies. One of these days, the grandbaby's going to come into your home and say, this is what God's saying. This is what God's saying. Pay attention. Pay attention. We're entering that era. And I say, thank the Lord. I get excited about it when I see young men and young women, boys and girls, uh, just moving in the flow of the Holy Spirit. I was in Argentina. We had a night off in travel and preaching. I heard about an evangelist was at a certain church. My transfer and I went. We worked our way to the front of the balcony because I heard this little boy's voice. He was seven, eight. When I worked my way up, I could see him there. He thundered the word of God. And when he prayed for people, they were stacked up like cordwood. People were being healed, delivered. The word was going forth. I mean the real deal stuff. He was seven. I began to weep. Why? Because I saw with my eyes what my father prophesied would come. He never saw it in his lifetime. My mother preached it. My grandfather preached it. My great-great-grandfather preached it. Today, I'm living in prophecy. I'm 
seen this with my own eyes. Upon my handmaiden, says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit. All flesh, all flesh, our sons and our daughters will prophesy. I like that. I desire that. This pouring that's going to take place, it's not a sprinkling. It's a pouring. It's not just a spill out. It's a good old tsunami golly washer of what God wants to do. Here's what God wants to do. He wants to send a tidal wave of his glory across your nation. He wants to send a tidal wave of glory across the world. Understand, this is the generation that desires this. This is the generation that wants the real. This is the generation that's not going to settle for he said, she said. They want to see and hear what God is doing. And I say, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Verse 23 uses the word purpose. Peter states, by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, all lead. They all lead up to, to Pentecost. And I say, thank God. They were talking about the penalty, the justified, the promise. Read verses 23 to 27. It's there. My heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body will live in hope. Church, we need the purposes of God. We need the purpose. There's a lot of great purposes out there. There's a lot of great things, organizations, but what is the mind of God? What is the purpose of God? There are a thousand things we could support. There's a thousand things we could work with. What is the purpose of God for your life? God always works with purpose. There's three things God works with constantly. All three or two out of three or one of the three. He works with purpose. He works with presence and he works with power. Always. Always, every, every storyline you can give me in, in the New Testament, God works with power, he works with presence, he works with purpose. It may be one out of the three. I think of young Stephen when he died. The presence of God was there because the heavens were open. But God worked with a greater purpose because there was another man in the crowd by the name of Saul that God was going to raise up. Does that mean Stephen's not significant? Yes, he is significant. Yes, he went home to see the Father at a young age. But God works with power, he works with presence, and he always works with purpose. You may not understand his purpose, but I got to tell you, God's power and presence are involved, and I say, thank God, thank God. My heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body will live in hope. Hallelujah. Verse 28 talks about the paths of life. How many times in life have we asked the Holy Spirit for direction, for insight, for wisdom, for discernments? You know, Father, make known to me. Show yourself. There's an S on that word path. It's not the path of life, it's the paths of life. The paths of life. Now, I, I know there's lots of paths you can go down, and the Bible says some lead to destruction. You ought not to be on those. But there are paths you can walk down that speak of life, speak of purpose, the paths of life. God has a plan and a purpose that's weaved into your DNA from Psalm 139. When you were fearfully and wonderfully made in your mama's womb, you have the template of your mother and your father. That's biological. But you also have the template of God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit that's weaved into you because you were made in his image. That's one of the reasons why the devil hates you. Whether you live for God or don't live for God, the devil hates you because you're made in the image of the one he hates the most. Understand that. Get a hold of that. The devil hates you whether you live for God or don't live for God. But God has a purpose for your life. See, Chuck, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know what it is. God will show you. God will reveal. Walk in what you know to do. Sometimes we miss the blessing of today because we're always asking God about next week. We're always asking God next month. Some people don't want to walk in the blessing of today because they don't like it. They want to walk in yesteryear, oh, remember the good old days, or they want to have the pr pr prophetic word about the future. Listen, i got to tell you straight up, if you're not willing to walk in today, why would God trust you with the future? 
Why would God trust you with the prophetic word when you're not willing to walk in and be developed? God's never out to destroy you. He's out to develop you. Understand that. The devil's out to destroy you. Everything you're going through is for development, for not for destruction. You're a child of God. The devil doesn't order your path. The devil has never ordered your footsteps from the day you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Understand that. Jesus orders my footsteps. If I'm where I should be walking in his will, then it's not the devil that orders my footsteps. It's not going to happen. It's Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes the doors close. Sometimes the doors open. Read Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, you, you know, you've got them where the doors open, the doors close, and, and Paul is saying, I don't know which one to take. One door closes, another one closes, like, like God. Why? Because God needed him down to have a vision about Macedonia. Had a, had, listen, God had to trust him to walk to where he needed to be, or he's not going to give him a vision for a, for a whole generation, for a whole continent. Understand that. Get that in your heart today. Be faithful to the path that God has called you to today, the paths of life. Verse 28, use the word presence. Presence. You will fill me with joy, and in your presence, and in your presence, in your presence is fullness of joy. You want joy? The joy of the Lord is my strength. If you're lacking strength, you're lacking joy. And so the joy of the Lord is my strength. One of the things the devil wants to take from you, he doesn't care about your happy. You're happy, happy, happy. He doesn't care about your happy. That'll come and go with an email. That'll come and go with a phone call. That'll come and go with a conversation. What he wants to do is target your joy. Because that's, that's God. That's God breathed. It's not dependent on silence or serenity. The joy of the Lord is my strength. My strength. And I speak that into your life today. You need the presence of God. You need the presence of God. I was facing a situation in my life years ago where I was asking God, why, 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 why? One of the things, why my father was killed when he was 51, coming home from church one night in a car accident. I was 16, why, why, why? I spent seven, eight years asking God why. Till finally God asked me one night in prayer, he goes, Chuck, do you want to know why? Or do you want my presence? I was like, wow. And I said, so, I said, Lord, I need 24 hours to pray about it. Well, looking back at that, well, who was I supposed to pray to? Because it was God that was talking to me. 24 hours later, I came back in my office. I lay on the floor. I said, God, I don't want to know why Dad died the way he did. And I added a few other things by that time of my life. I said, I need your presence. I need your presence. And I would suggest today, those of you who are listening, you need the presence of God more than you need your why questions answered. Let's say God answered your why questions. What happens if you don't like his answers? More rebellion. More resistance, more hurt. Well, I don't like that, God. I don't like that. I don't see that. I don't like that. So all you have is information. You don't need information. You need transformation. In his presence is fullness of joy. Holy Spirit wants to offer that to you today, that you would have that presence within your life to go forward, go forward. It's called faith, by walking in faith. And I say, thank God, thank God, thank God. I'm glad that God gave me transformation and not just simply information because I don't know if I would have done well with it. And I say, Lord God. Verse 29, you got the patriarch David, and he's referenced as a prophet. Many times we don't talk about him as a prophet, the king, the, the shepherd, you know, the warrior. But he, the word of God makes it very clear that David was a patron. Uh, and he, his, his prophecies were yea and amen. And, and, and uh, Peter goes on and mentions that to those that are there that day. That, you know, the, the, the patriarch David said, and he lays it out there. So he used history to speak to today. And I like that. I think we could do the same and learn from the past. Not live there, but learn from it. And I say, thank God. Verse 30 talks about prophet. Let's bundle verses 30 to 33. It echoes once again what David prophesies that God had promised him. You know, he lays it out there. Yeah, seeing those things that are ahead, 
seeing those things that are ahead, seeing those things that are ahead. Those things are important. But again, when we understand today and what God's doing, then we can speak to the tomorrow. We can speak to the future. I understand it's a walk by faith, but Peter laid it out there through a word from God, through a word from God. You and I could do the same. Let's allow God just to bundle these into our own heart, into our own life, that we will move forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then in this verses, verses 30 and 33, you have the promise that he has received from the Father, the promised Holy Spirit. Understand when you mess with Holy Spirit and you, you, you quench and hurt and resist, you are messing with the promise of the Father. And i got to ask you, like, like in the Gospels, uh, one of the apostles reaches a place with the Gentiles and says, well, who am I? Who am I to stop what God wants to do? Who am I? If God wants to work with the Jew, the Gentile, whoever, let him do it. He's God. He's God. We need to reach that. Who am I that I'm going to try to stop what God wants to do in these last days? Verse 33 uses again that word poured, poured, and has poured out, poured out. What you now see and hear, I like that phrase, what you now see and hear, we need. We need, we need some now, see and hear today. We need some show and tell today. We really do. We really do. We really do. We need a generation. That, I don't want my children to grow up with a history lesson on Holy Spirit, on the good old days and the way it was in, in the 70s and the charismatic movement that flowed through much of Canada. I, I don't, I don't, it's got to be more than that. I was a part of that. I wasn't serving the Lord, but I witnessed it. I watched as thousands, thousands, and thousands of predominantly of our Catholic brothers and sisters came in and experienced Pentecost. I witnessed that. That was night after night. We had church for six, seven months at a time, and people were healed and set free, and hospitals would bring their stretchers over, and, and, but they weren't needed to go back. They would walk back to the hospitals and, and, and report the healing. We need some show and tell. We need, to, we need to show and tell what Holy Spirit's doing. We need the manifest presence of God in these days. We really do. I want you to pray with me that we would see the show and tell. We would, you know, I can only tell you what I saw and heard. I can only bring what I saw, and here's what I saw, and here's what I heard. I think that's important. That's why we need the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We really do. We really do. We're going to continue this topic, but just let me pray with you. Father, we need Holy Spirit. We need Holy Spirit. We need initial. We need fullness, the language, the life, the gifts, the fruits, everything subsequent to Holy Spirit coming into our life upon salvation. We need. We need. Holy Spirit, we invite you to do a work in our lives that we might know Jesus Christ like never before. To the glory of the Father. I pray that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Reapers in the Rain International. Coupled with a big heart and a desire to help people, Chuck Price is passionate to see people's lives changed. He's an encourager and exhorter with a great sense of humor. And today he travels with Reapers in the Rain International around the world sharing his faith, training leaders, building infrastructure, and providing humanitarian aid. Reapers in the Rain is here to restore, educate, aid, and provide. Your support is welcome, and you can be part of what God is doing around the world by contributing to Reapers in the Rain International. To donate, simply visit our website, reapersintherain.org, or you can call 416-417-5155. We would love to be part of what God is doing through you as we help to provide more for those with less. Reapers in the Rain International.